Greetings and salutations to everybody out there in podcast land. This is the Judo Chop Suey Podcast. And I'm your host as always, Judo Dave Roman. I'm recording this on my new studio equipment in the comfort of my own home. So no longer am I sitting in my car, which is parked in my garage, in an uncomfortable position, bringing the Judo Chop Suey Podcast to you. I'm in a very nice room. It's a comfortable temperature. And it's great to have this new equipment. I bought myself the Focusrite Scarlet 2i2, which came with a, a, um, a, a, a microphone and a mic stand and this little box that I can't remember what the name of the box is called, but it doesn't matter. I can plug in my headset and plug in my condenser mic into that box and everything is good to go. If I want to have a co-host, which, hey, you never know, that might happen one day, I can plug in a second microphone in there and they're going to come in with just as good a quality as I'm sounding right now, which at the moment, I don't know how good I'm really sounding, but I'm going to guess that it's going to be a little bit better than what you've been hearing in months past. Speaking of months past, today marks the two-month anniversary of the Judo Chop Suey Podcast. Woo! Yeah, I'm really excited about that. So sorry if that woo just blew out your ears but you know what I'm really excited about where this podcast has come considering where it started which was in my kitchen on my phone and honestly I'm really excited for the past two months of everything that has gone on and connecting with listeners and and just getting the word out there on this podcast for the past two months I have been the only English-speaking judo podcast in the world but that's a title that I can no longer claim because I would like to congratulate Unyo of judocrazy.com for starting his own podcast called Judo Inside. Judocrazy.com puts out a great quarterly magazine and I I, I think it's it's fabulous. I mean the, the pictures, the articles, it's just really great and I, I'm I'm a big fan of the site, what can I say? So I'm not advertising for him, but go check out Judo Inside, uh, the Judo Inside podcast put up by Unio. Uh, he's got a YouTube page called Judo Crazy, and you know he's got the magazine. He puts out some great content and great news articles. Uh, so I'd like to say, hey, Un, best of luck to you. It's great to have a second podcast out there in the world. Well, a second Judo podcast in the world. Well, let me correct myself. A second English Judo podcast in the world. It's great to have see something like that grow. And it's, you know, to be honest, it's been my absolute pleasure to be the only English-speaking judo podcast over the past couple of months. It's something that I'll never forget. It's something that I can claim and claim proudly. But um, I don't see it as competition. I see it as growth and providing content to the judo community. And and I think that's a great thing. So as I was saying before, it's a two-month anniversary of the Judo Chop Suey podcast. Now... Everybody listen up. I'm going to I'm going to say happy anniversary to myself about the Judo Chop Suey podcast, but here's a little bit of relationship advice for you guys. And not so much the ladies. This doesn't normally happen with ladies, but with the guys. If you ever have a girlfriend that expects you to acknowledge a 2-month anniversary into the relationship and she's serious about that, it's time to run for the hills because she's a crazy person. Hate to say it, 
And I'm sure there's some lady out there saying, you know what? I'm not a crazy person for wanting to celebrate two months. Yeah, yeah, you are. Sorry to say that, dear. But you, ex- if you go to your boyfriend and expect that you're going to get an anniversary gift after two months, that's a little nutty. Sorry to say. You know what else is nutty is Valentine's Day, which to me, guys, Valentine's Day is the absolute worst holiday in the world. I, I really hate it. I don't celebrate it. And the reason why I hate Valentine's Day is because, in my opinion, I think it's the most unromantic holiday of the year. And you get these commercials on TV. I don't know what it's like in other countries, like in the UK or in Germany, but in the United States, you see these com- these commercials from jewelry companies trying to encourage their guys to buy jewelry for their girls or, or flowers for their girls on this day that's supposed to be romantic. But the truth of the matter is that romance is supposed to be spontaneous and come from the heart. Yet you get these commercials that, that try and coerce you to, to provide gifts and flowers and chocolates to your girlfriend when that's something that you guys should be doing throughout the entire year. You don't need a special day to celebrate the love that you have for your woman or uh, guy, whatever. But guys, I can't imagine guys wanting to give other guys Valentine's Day gifts. I, that just seems that I, I, if it happens, okay, great. But it just applies to you too. Valentine's Day is unromantic. It is coerced romance. It is expected romance. And that is the complete opposite of romance. So Guys, I am encouraging you to don't get your girl a gift. It doesn't matter if she thinks you're a putz. And if she does, maybe she's not the right one for you. You know, in the future, I'm going to talk about judo and love and relationships and how that all ties in together because I think that's a story that that some of you can relate to. Um, in short, I have a wonderful wife that I love dearly who supports me in this podcast, who supports me doing judo who supports me teaching judo and i know that for some of you out there you don't got a woman or or you're in a relationship that where you don't have a supportive partner so one day i'm gonna talk about that subject in a future edition of the podcast but that's not what i'm going to talk about today Uh, there's a few housekeeping things that i want to get through for those who are new to this podcast i typically like to open the show with Thoughts about things going on at the club, things are going on in in my life, and other topics that may not be directly related to a particular judo topic at hand. Obviously, with the Paris Grand Slam going on this weekend, that is what I'm going to talk about. That is what is going to be the focus of this podcast. But there are things that I like to get out of the way simply because this is my show. I like to je- I like to talk with you all. I like to share with my listeners what's going on in my life. And if you don't care about it, well, I always provide a show outline. So that way you can just skip to whatever parts you want to listen to. And I'm not offended. I'll never be offended. So you skip to it. It doesn't matter to me because it shows up at, at, on my statistics that you listened. And that makes me happy. That makes me smile. So with that... For all of you that have been listening and with me from the beginning or new listeners or if you're just checking this out for the first time, I want to thank you very much because it 
I love doing this podcast. I love talking about judo and I love bringing this podcast to you on a weekly basis. So I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you guys can recognize that I really care about the content of this podcast. I care about the quality of this podcast and I care about getting better as a podcaster so I can provide good content and some some entertaining value at the same time. So something happened at my judo club last week and I'm curious to find out and this will this will be this is I'm going to prompt you guys to maybe write to me or give me your thoughts because this is this is something I've never really faced before as an assistant instructor. So these some of the students were competing at a tournament this weekend. Now I couldn't get there because I took my wife to a Broadway play, well not in New York City, but a play that called Wicked that came into Tampa. It was a wonderful play. I suggest everybody take their their loved ones to see it just once in their lives. But that's not what I'm going to talk about. So we didn't have class Friday night and I wouldn't be able to go anyway. But Wednesday, we had a competition preparation type class. And if I'm being honest, I'm not sure the way that particular class was run was ideal for the students in getting them prepared for a tournament. And by students, we're talking about, I'm talking about young kids. They were probably about, both of the boys going were probably around uh, 10 years old, both very good at judo, and I'm very proud of their efforts in class. But I'm curious to find out what do other instructors around the world do for the last class heading into a competition? Do you guys do a lot of wind sprint drills or things along those lines? Do you do chikomis? Do you practice certain throws? Do you go over who may be at the tournament? Do you actually do rondori the, the class before a tournament? I'm curious to find out what you guys do because what we ended up doing was doing a lot of wind sprints and doing a lot of calisthenics. And if you haven't heard, if you haven't, if you haven't listened to previous episodes of the podcast, I'm not a big fan of push-ups, sit-ups, and wind sprints in a judo class because I think judo should be dedicated to teaching judo and not running around and doing push-ups and sit-ups for 30, 45 minutes. I've been very clear on that in the past. And just to know, I'm not being critical of my instructor because not not my instructor but the but the club sensei I'm not being sensei. critical of him because I'm always looking to improve the class and and bring something new and different to the class but this was a situation as an assistant instructor that I wasn't sure what the best approach is so I decided to just sit back and and assist in any way that I can but in my mind, I would have thought that perhaps going over with the young kids what to expect at a tournament, maybe to remind them you you bow on the mat, you, you bow to your opponent. When they say hajime, you keep fighting, you keep your hands up. You know, maybe going over some of those tips, maybe going over some basic grip fighting strategies. But to do, to me, to do a lot of wind sprints the day before a tournament, I don't think really prepares kids for what they may face in that tournament. Because in my mind, if you're not in shape heading into that tournament, you're trying to get in shape the day before 
or or a couple of days before the tournament, it's it's not going to do anything. So I would think that there could be some more valuable ways to approach that class before a tournament. And I would love to hear from some of you guys, uh, especially some of the regular contributors to the show via my email, which is show at gmail.com. Or, or you could reach out to me at, at, on Twitter at La Vida Judoka. So I would love to hear from you guys what you think the best way to approach a the day before a tournament or the class before a tournament. Because I was at a loss and I just, I went along with what the sensei did. But, you know, maybe he and I can have a conversation and instead of just, you know, uh, giving my own opinions, I'd love to hear the opinions of others and see what other clubs do and to the benefit of the students that are at the club. So again, the show email is show at gmail.com. Feel free to drop me an email or reach out to me on Twitter at La Vida Judoka or on my Facebook page where if you search for Judo Chop Suey, on Facebook, you should be able to find it without any difficulty. I'd love to hear from you guys. Um, in regards to email, uh, here's my reaction segment for this particular podcast. I received a very, I received a surprise email last week, and I'd like to read it for you guys. Um, so, so here goes. Dear sir, thank you for your email and interest. When we will start this self-defense program, we will make sure to inform you. At the moment, this is a project in the preparatory phase. Best regards, Marius L. Weiser, President, International Judo Federation. That's pretty cool. I'm very grateful for Mr. Weiser for taking the time to email me. I sent him a question about two or three weeks ago to ask him, about the IJF self-defense program that apparently they had discussed in either a Twitter Q&A or or at the referee and coaching seminar in Azerbaijan. Um, I, I I don't know. I didn't hear the question. I didn't see the question. But a few people out there on Reddit, um, greetings and salutations to you freaks out there on Reddit, um, a few people out on Reddit had noticed that that or, or talked about the self-defense program that Marius Weiser had spoken about. And I I didn't see it, but I'll take you guys' word for it. So judging by his comment, he did, in fact, make a statement regarding a, a self-defense program. His response doesn't surprise me, but the fact that he even bothered to email me uh, did surprise me in in my email I said look I, I I would prefer to go to one of your assistants but I, I don't know who your direct assistant is so I'm going to write to you directly and he responded so I'm very grateful for for Mr. Visor to spend the time to respond especially when you consider that during this particular week there had to have been a ton of preparation for the Paris Grand Slam and he has to oversee all of that so I'm very grateful that he took whatever time he took out of his day to write to me. Especially when you consider he's probably received thousands upon thousands of emails of people complaining about the rules or, or, or whatever. Hopefully he hasn't because, you know, if you, if you bombard somebody's email, 
it, when they when they make it public, um, it, chances are your your email is not even going to get read, even legitimate ones. So I'm grateful that he wrote to me. Uh, I'll be looking forward to this self defense program. If I'm being honest, I'm not very optimistic that the IGF is going to get around to doing something like that this year, but we shall see. I know Mr. Visor is going to have a Twitter Q&A today, which is February 12th, and you know what? I'm going to send him a question via the AskVisor hashtag and see if he'll make any more comment regarding that. I doubt anything new has happened over the past uh, six days, which is the which is when he wrote to me. He wrote me on February 6th. I doubt anything has changed in that regard because they've been focused on the Paris Grand Slam. But you never know. Maybe he'll have an answer. At, at the very least, if I ask that question, he can answer it publicly. And, people, and he can go on the record. So I think that would be a good thing. Now, the Paris Grand Slam was held over the weekend. And... I got to tell you, I was very impressed with the tournament, but there's a couple of things that I'm going to get to regarding what the good, the bad, the ugly, and there are, are things that I want to discuss. My observations of the new rules being taken effect in the, in the first major tournament of the IJF season. So there's going to be some items that, uh, some matches. I could not watch all the matches this weekend. But I watched a ton of matches, and I'm very grateful for the International Judo Federation to put out a live stream of YouTube, but not only have a live stream of the commentary and, and of the matches, but they provided fo- they provided live streams of all of the mats, and there was a total of four mats, and I was very impressed that I could just very easily switch from mat to mat depending on who was uh, fighting in that particular moment. Now, there was a few items of note that I think is worth discussing prior to me delving into what I thought were great matches, what I thought were terrible matches. Um, most notably, none of the gold medal winners in the men's division competed in this event. So that's talking about you know Fabio Basile from Italy. Now it it looks like he's doing everything but judo in his life based on his uh his Instagram page. Uh some other notable guys, uh, Teddy Renner did not compete, Mashu Baker did not compete. Um Shohei Ono did not compete, On Bao did not compete, who's the division's number 1, I believe. On the women's side, Paula Pareto did not compete. Uh, Haruka Tachimoto of Japan did not compete. Kayla Harrison was not there for obvious reasons. She's retired. But she did appear on, on uh, as a commentator on day one, which was nice. I, I can't imagine that's something that she's going to continue doing. I, I, I would, you know, maybe she feels obligated to keep, keep, uh, keep around the IJF and keep around the major events in judo. But I know she's retired from judo competition and focusing on her mixed martial arts career. Let's see, who else did not make it? Uh, silver medalist in the over 78 kilo division, Idalis Ortiz of Cuba, did not uh, participate. So there were a lot of top people and, and medal winners from the Olympics, especially on the men's side for gold medal winners. None of them made it this weekend, which was a little bit disappointing. But you know what? For Even if without those guys, it still ended up being a great tournament. There were some... 
fabulous players and and not so fabulous matches. And I'm going to delve into some of the the key highlights and the lowlights of what I saw this weekend. So when talking about these matches or when watching these matches, the way I determined what I thought it was good and what was bad is I decided to come up with a rating system for the matches. Now, rating systems are nothing new to sports and and competition. Um, they, They have, there's a guy out there that does his rating system for professional wrestling. So I'm not really stealing from him, but but the idea is not is not a new idea. So I have a rating system that goes from best to worst. So the best matches, I'm going to go best match ever. And then going down, it's going to be must see TV, good, but fast forward through the match, boring or worst match ever. So there were a few matches that I would call best match ever. And there were a few out there that would be worst match ever. So I'm going to go through day one starting now. And, and I'm going to go through and let you know what I thought were some of the really, really key matches. And who were the key performers of that particular day. And then we'll continue on to day two and what I thought were great matches and not so great matches. Now, just to clarify, the good but fast forward through the match. I don't know about the rest of you guys, but... There are a lot of judo matches that I watch on YouTube of a, you know, especially the matches that I miss. What I will often do is just fast forward through the grip fighting. I, if there are guys out there, if, if some of you out there love watching grip fighting and think that's like the most exciting part of the match, um, feel free to go see a doctor and have your head examined. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I would love to hear from you. And explain why you think that part of the match is super exciting. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I feel it's interesting. It's interesting to see how certain throws develop and such. But when it comes to watching matches that have already happened, I will typically fast forward through those matches. Now, um, the kind the, for the matches that are best match ever or must-see TV... Those matches, I'm when I when I tell you what of my opinion on what those matches were. Those are matches that I think that you should watch from beginning to end and keep your finger off of your mouse and keyboard to pause or fast forward. I would suggest that you just press play and leave it alone because I think some there were some fabulous matches that you must watch. And when I mean best match ever, I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about literally the best match in the history of judo. I'm just saying the match was super awesome and it, it, you, you got to watch it. But the, there's a difference between best match ever and must-see TV. So I just want you guys to be aware that there are differences to that. And to be absolutely clear, any criticism of the actual match is not a reflection of the competitors or their judo ability. It's just sometimes you get two competitors that that duke it out or 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 fight in the match and it, it just doesn't go well. It doesn't it doesn't mean that their judo is bad or they don't know what they're doing or that they're boring to watch as a whole. It's just sometimes you get you get certain certain matches, you know, and a lot of times I find I find that it happens in the finals 
where it's a stalemate because the, the, the skill between both competitors is so good and the skill disparity is so minimal, if there's even any disparity at all, that it can create a stalemate, uh, a stalemate in terms of excitability and getting a big throw off. So when I criticize a match, I am not criticizing the competitors. I'm just criticizing the action and that's all that it is. So please, I don't want it to get back to these athletes and they come hunting for me, wanting to, to, to slam me on my head repeatedly for being critical of their matches. That's not what it's about. I'm only critical of, well, I, I'm not critical of them. I'm only critical of the matches. So it's just the opinion of one man and one man only. And my reactions are just for entertainment and informational value. And if you don't find it entertaining, well, I'm sorry. But we're going to get through this together. And I'm going to share what I think of day one. Now, before I talk about any of the matches, I want to talk about my impressions of the tournament as a whole and some of the good things about it. So starting with the officiating, I thought the officials did a very good job in letting the fighters decide the fights. So, because I recall in years past, it seems like the official almost became, the referee almost became a part of the match. And really would stop the flow of action prematurely, I found many times. But in this tournament, these guys, as long as they were moving and they had a grip, they were letting the fighters fight. So for example, there would be times where both fighters have a standard grip, they're moving around, they break each other's grips off or or whatever the case may be. Now, in previous years, I've seen referees called mate and then have the fighters start over again. But not this time. This time, they were... The fighters would break the grips and then the ref would just not get in the way and, and allow the fighters to continue the match on their own. And I thought that was fabulous because... It just, it, I, there were times where I saw a match go for a minute and a half without a mate. And I, I mean, that, that is so much better for the flow of the sport. Now, if, if there are some things that, you know, if the fighters are pushing each other out too much, using stiff arms, being overly defensive, the, the referees get involved. But if you are, grip fighting, if you're moving around, if you're trying to attack, if it fails, um, a lot of times the referees were allowing those competitors to keep going without interference. And when it comes to all sports, it's my opinion, the referees should be seen and not heard. And we never want the referee to be the story of the match. And with these particular referees in this event, kudos to the IJF for making some of these rule changes that led to far more action. And I thought the tournament as a whole, top to bottom, was almost as good as the Olympics. The reason why it wasn't better than the Olympics is because of so many medal winners in the Olympics not showing up for this event for whatever reason, whether it be, be injured or they're too busy doing TV appearances, or they or they feel they're too good to show up. I I, I don't I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's not important to them. Uh, it's interesting to know. I received a 
some information from judoinside.com. They were very gracious enough to, to send me this information to use as material that this year the number of participants was lower than last year. Now, I'm going to venture to guess the reason is because we're not really into the Olympic cycle just yet. It's the start, yeah, the Olympics are in are, are, are you know in 2020, but for right now, um, getting points for the Olympics is not the most important thing to some of these athletes, apparently. Because in 2012, there was a, there was a, or 2013, after the 2012 Olympics, there was a big drop off in participants for this Paris Grand Slam. And in, in the participant numbers rose in, in 2014, 2015, and 2016. So in 2016, there was a lot of participants in this tournament. But then for this year, it dropped off again because it was, it was a first major. Uh, tournament of the new year it was a, and I'm guessing the athletes just didn't feel it was all that important but I'm sure I'm sure these some of the top guys like Teddy Renner, uh Mashu Baker Shohei Ono I'm sure those guys will show up I'm, I'm hoping sometime this year in some of these big tournaments it's a shame that they didn't show up in this particular tournament but it's worth noting that that the number of participants was lower than last year now, continuing on with some of the other things that I noticed, with the relaxed rules on the gripping, I noticed a lot of athletes were using the pistol grip. And I think the IJF may revisit this after the uh, 2017 World Championships because it, I, I don't have an issue with the pistol grip being used, but there were times that that the athletes who were getting pistol gripped, there wasn't anything that they could really do. So I, I saw a lot of them just end up grabbing the wrist because they didn't, I mean, sure, it's a learning opportunity and how to deal with the pistol grip. But a lot of times these athletes were using the pistol grip in an overly defensive manner, but doing just enough to not get called a Shido. And I'm not going to sit here and call for more rules on gripping after they just relax them, but they're going to have to do something um, with that grip. I don't, I don't know what they can do, but you know, maybe the, you know, I'm sure the global instruction needs to get better on how to deal with that grip or how to, you, you know, break that grip or something. But, but I saw a lot of pistol gripping. I saw a lot of grips where people were really stiff arming and pushing at the hip, but they had a grip on the on the higher part of the jacket, so they're not going to get called for Hansokumaki touching below the belt. But they were uh, there was a lot of overly defensive um, players out there, almost in response to the pistol grip. It's like, okay, you you got the pistol grip on me, so I'm going to hold you out over here, and we're going to move around and try and attack. Um, so that was. Probably a negative. Another negative is I think the IJF needs to address the out of bounds in Golden Score. I again I don't know what they can do about it, but there were several matches that I watched that they were pretty much playing the edge the entire match. I get that that's part of judo strategy at the highest level, but these referees want to have the athletes 
dictate who wins and and who loses the matches. They don't want to be the ones. I mean, this was clear to me that they don't want to be the ones dictating the outcome of the match. But these players are forcing their hand um, with with some of these tactics, and it's it the, the I think the the competitors trickling down all the way to the grassroots level are going to pay the price again for a rule change. Um, now, if if you want to play the edge during regulation, fine, whatever. But golden score, there needs to be a decision, and and the the athletes need to not allow the referees to or not put the referees in a position where they have to call a shido, which ends up being Han Sokumaki uh, in Golden Score. Because, well, you know, if whoever has the more shido up there. You know, an example of this was the under 78 kilo match today, uh, today being being uh, the 12th, uh, between Japan and France, Sato versus Chumeo. Um, each of them had two shidos going into Golden Score. And these ladies were not doing anything. And again, I'm not being critical of these individual judoka. I'm being critical of the match. This was one of those worst match ever. Because the referee tried to do everything she could to not give a shido to either of these players. They wanted the players to decide the match via a technique. And Chumeo won that match and and Sato of Japan uh, I'm sorry excuse me Sato of Japan deserved I mean literally deserved the shido that she got in golden score to lose that gold medal match because she was doing nothing I, I mean just the the edge play and the stiffing out and, and overly defensive it, I mean there if the referees were allowed to just express their themselves on the mat it wouldn't shock me if if the referee in that instance just threw her hands up in the air because the players were not doing anything. And it was very frustrating to watch. Now, continuing on with some of the things that I liked and did not like about this tournament as a whole, I'm still unconvinced about the getting rid of Wazari Awaseti Ipon. I don't, I don't like that. I don't think it was a good idea. I didn't think it was a good idea. I still don't think it's a good idea. Most of the matches that I watched today and yesterday did not have more than two Wazari in a match. Now, let me tell you, I have to look I have yet to look at the at these statistics, but just as a just my initial impression, there were far more Wazari wins than winner by Ipon. So if these new rule changes, if the intention was to generate more Ipon, it sure didn't seem that way when I was watching these matches. Now, again, I did not see every single match. Um, I Yesterday when I was watching this, I had four screens up for each of the matches. I, I could really only pay attention to one at a time. So maybe there were some matches in the early tournament where there were a lot of Ipon. But as I got toward the... Quarterfinals, semifinals, and and you know medal matches. There seemed to be a lot less ipon. Something else that I thought was was kind of neat about the tournament is that for the gold medal matches, they had a little bit more spectacle to them. 
so for example, the fighters when they were introduced were introduced in a you know, there was a bunch of like fireworks or not so much fireworks, but like sparkles in the in the area where before where the fighters are introduced. So as they're walking out, it, it almost looks like the the WWE when the wrestlers are, are announced and there's big explosions and everybody goes wild and it's all crazy like that. It's kind of reminded me of that. And I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, something I found a little humorous is that on day one, the way that the sparkles were angled um, the sparkles where the fighters were standing before they were introduced were very close to the fighters. And I think I think the fighters were very nervous about getting caught on fire, quite frankly, um, by some accidental discharge of the sparks or something like that. So on day two, they rearranged how the sparkles are and they still have to walk through them or in between them. But but when they were just standing there waiting um, the, the, the chance of them catching on fire and, 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 and the rest of the crowd seeing something very horrific uh, was minimalized. Uh, speaking of crowd, there was a nice crowd today of, of, uh, of both days, about 11, I think the number was over 11,000 uh, participants. Certainly the arena looked like it was sold out, but that crowd cleared out very quickly after the over 78 kilo bronze medal match, which featured Andiola France. I I would venture to guess that that crowd was exhausted after sitting there for seven hours worth of of judo. I mean, I don't, I can't think of an event in the United States that lasts so long that captivates the audience's uh, uh, audience's attention. I know, for example, WrestleMania, which I'll be going to in, in April. That entire event, from start to finish, uh, including the the dark matches probably lasts about six hours. And I would know for myself, no matter how much I like the event, I would be very exhausted after that. So I'm sure the crowd, once none of the countrymen or women were a part of the tournament anymore, they wanted to get out of there, maybe beat traffic. I don't like I don't know what traffic is like in Paris, but if it's like any major American city in the United States, I would think they want to get home and eat their cheese and Drink their wine or do something. I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't don't take offense if anybody from France is listening. It's just a joke, a very poor one. I love the French. Believe me, they brought us they brought us many things to the United States, including the Statue of Liberty. They gave us the framework of of having a republic and freedom and all that good stuff. So I love France. Now for the day one competitors. There are two athletes that I want to give props to for for being the best male and female judoka of the day. Starting with the ladies, I would like to congratulate Tina Turstenjack for being the most outstanding female competitor of the day. Turstenjack managed to win the gold medal for the under 63 kilo division for women. And on her way to that, she scored two Ipon victories over her competitors. In the final, she beat Agben Nenu of France, and she managed to beat Lucy Renshaw of Great Britain. Both of those matches were Ipon victories. Now, Thurston Jack also managed to get four Wazari against the match. Uh, her competitor was Bold of Mongolia, and this was one of those rare matches where, where I saw a competitor earn four Wazari in a match. Again, I don't like 
the lack of Wazari Awaseti Ipon. I really believe that matches should end with two Wazari and that's it. Also, along those lines, I did not particularly care for some of the way that these Wazari are being called. Now, I know the IJF determined that all scores that were once Yuko are now Wazari. But wow, you know, Yuko, there were some... The problem with that is when you have a throw that's a Yuko, or or when you have a throw that's a Wazari, but you can include Yuko scores, then then the, the range for Wazari is quite large. But I must say that after watching this particular tournament, that the standard for Ipon seems a lot higher. And that's why I felt I did not see many throwing Ipon. I did see a bunch of Ipon um, in a Nawaza situation, which is great. I, I think it was great to see a lot of Nawaza wins. Uh, interestingly enough, I did not see one Shimewaza technique executed for Ipon. I did not see one tap out from a chokehold. Nothing like that. Now, for the men's side, it should come as no surprise that Hifumi Abe is the most outstanding male judoka of day one. And if you guys did not see his match, you really missed out on a really fabulous competitor. I have not seen anybody dominate a field like this in quite some time. And you you guys have to go on to the IJF website. You have to go on, whether it be YouTube or judobase.org. You got to see his matches because every single match of his was uh, must-see TV or the best match ever. Wanted, you got to see it because it was just unbelievable the way that he was winning by Ipon. Now, just about every single match except for the gold medal match, he won by Ipon. And the gold medal match, he won by a very close Wazari, but it was a very, very entertaining match as well. He was just an outstanding competitor. And again, congratulations to him on such a, a fabulous day. Uh, between him and T Tina Turstenjack, they both had great days. Uh, honorable mention to uh, Majlinda Kelmendi. She just dominated everybody in her division. And it, in my opinion, it wasn't even close. I watched one of her matches against Angelica Delgado of the United States. And I'm sorry to say Delgado was thoroughly outclassed. And it, it goes to show how great the skill level is compared to one of our best fighters to somebody else from uh, across the world. And in, in Kelmendi's case, we're talking about Kosovo. But Kelmendi was all business out there. She was tough. She was showing every, the entire world why she's the most popular female judo athlete in the world. She was showing the rest of the world why she is the best in her division and arguably in all of women. She might be the very best judoka uh, for the women's side. Now, granted, I said Tina Tersenjak. I thought she was the best performer of the day. But in terms of just pure skill and pure determination... Uh, nobody came across tougher than Kelmendi, and she absolutely uh, earned her gold medal. And I anticipate a lot of big things for her in this next year. Now, some of the matches on day one that are must see TV, uh, I would have to start with the under 57 kilo semifinal uh, between two French women that's uh, Reseveau and Neto. Uh, Reseveau had a beautiful Ipon 
that you've got to watch and it just just a just a fabulous technique it was really exciting to watch um in the under 60 kilo semifinal uh between Safarov and Takato uh that's another match that's what must see TV if you need to know Takato won that uh with with a with a spectacular technique just just really really good match there another notable match in the under 60 kilo division was Chenyong Kim versus Walai Kayar of, of France. Uh, Kim ended up winning that match via Wazari, but the entire match was just what I would expect uh, uh, for the under 60 kilo division. Just a lot of fast movement, a lot of exciting attacks, and uh, Chenyong Kim just managed to get the best of Kayar today. But it was, or that was yesterday, but that was another fabulous match that I, I strongly recommend you watching. Another nice round, uh, or it was in the second round, um, in the under-66 kilo division, Portugal versus Canada was Oleniuk versus Bouchard. There was a nice pawn in golden score. It was a a nice match, uh, but one of those matches that you can skip right to golden score and then watch from there because, again, as a a viewer, I like to watch throws. I want to see the big score. And if, if I'm watching an event, um, that's already pre-recorded. I don't need to watch all the grip fighting and stuff. I want to see the big throw. So so I'm letting you guys know some of the matches. Again, like I thought that were really excellent that you should watch. Must see TV or best match ever. Um, let me warn you on some of the some of the matches that are completely boring. Unless you're you're um, you root for the guys. T- stay away from Flicker versus Gambold. In the quarterfinal in the under 66 kilo, just just a boring match. And again, it's not a criticism of the athletes, but but just just of the match itself. Um, in the under 70 kilo, uh, under 73 kilo match, um, France versus Israel. We're talking about Corval of France and and Boutboul of Israel. Uh, Boutboul won over Corval, but again, just another boring match. Just just don't even bother unless you're a fan of those particular athletes. And I hate to say it, even though I said that Tina Turstenjack was the best female performer of, of day one, her semifinal in her uh, against Pinot of France was just another boring match. Feel free to skip that and go right to the final or, or watch some of her other matches where she she manages a lot of, uh, of Wazari or Ipon. But that particular semifinal match was, was a snoozer to say the least. Now, for day two, I did not watch a lot of the early rounds because I had another late night last night and I didn't wake up till about 7 a.m. local time and I really needed to sleep. So I did not watch the early rounds of day two. I did watch from the quarterfinals on. So if I missed the greatest opponent in the history of judo, uh, somebody let me know because it's quite possible that happened in the earlier rounds. So so what I will comment on in regards to day two is pretty much from the quarterfinals on. That would be around 7.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. That would, uh, let's see, in, in French, in time in France, that's, seven, that's about uh, maybe around 1.30 in the afternoon in, in France. So that's all that I watched uh, today, for, uh, the, the starting from the quarterfinals on to the finals. So, so my thoughts are varied on... Day two. Now the 
under 100 kilo quarterfinal between Ida and Lipartelliani of Georgia. That was a lot of fun. That was a fun match to watch. There was a really nice Uchimata there. I believe, if I if I recall correctly, Ido only earned a Wazari from that Uchimata, but it very well could have been any pawn in years past. And it was just just you know the Japanese just do a fantastic job with Uchimata. Every every seemingly every Japanese competitor can do Uchimata, and I wish I had an Uchimata that looked anywhere near like the Japanese do, but unfortunately I don't, so I'll just have to sit back and admire those that do. Um, now, there were some real snoozers in the quarterfinals. Um, in particular, uh, Zagank versus Tekic, and it was just in, in the under 90 kilo quarterfinal. Just skip it. It was one of the worst match ever. It just, it, it it was one of those matches that almost made me miss the winner by Shido. Because, I, I mean, it was so bad, I found myself rooting for Tekic to get a Shido. It, it was just, they, I mean, he fought hard, and he had a previous match in the, in, in the second round that I, I guess just zapped his energy. But, awful match to watch. Don't bother. Let, I'm doing you a favor and letting you know ahead of time, just skip that match. Please, do yourself a favor. Now, there was a hundred, there was a over 100 kilo match between Sichinoe and Ulzbayar that was tremendous. And, and Ulzbayar had a, had a great throw, and I really thought he was robbed on, on any pawn in that match. And, you know, that's one of those things. I really thought there were some... These refs are great. I believe me, I'm not being critical of the refs, but th- there were some throws that were called Wazari that I thought could have very easily been called Ipon. Um, but this particular match, both of these super heavyweights were very athletic for their size. And, you know, I, I really wish Teddy Renier was was part of this competition. I would have liked to have seen how he fared against uh, Shiinoue and, and some of these other uh, super heavyweights, but that was a, a an entertaining uh, match to watch. So, um, one of the other things that was of interest is is uh, Sheldon, who's calling one of the matches, uh, read my comment on the air. So I, I thought it was pretty cool to hear the Judo Chop Suey podcast uh, mentioned on an official IJF broadcast. That's that's cool. I'm very very pumped up about that. Um, there was a under 70 kilo match uh, between Supankic versus you and it was a pretty good match. There was a there wasn't really any scoring until the very end, but but it was a good hard match and and their golden score lasted the longest I watched of the two days. Uh, again, maybe there was a match in the in the first round where they had a golden score that lasted over four minutes, but in this particular match, it lasted over four minutes. And I thought it was, I thought it was entertaining despite the lack of scores. But but uh, Zupankic of of Canada won, and and she 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 fought really hard. They both did. It was it was an exciting match in its own right. Um, now there the over there was a semifinal match in the over seventy eight kilo between France and Japan, uh, and then Dole versus Sarah Asahina. Did a great Sase Surikomiyashi to Yoko Shiogatami for the Ipon. It was a great victory. It was an upset. 
over the gold medalist on the on the O. And just it was just one of those beautiful judo techniques. And she she has a great personality. I can just just tell by the way that she moves and and and, and talks to people and just just very very good, uh, seemingly a very charismatic person. And she just had a great textbook, Sasai Surikomiyashi to Yoko Shiogatami. I mean, you, you, you couldn't really teach it better. She didn't get the Ippon on the Sasai, but she transitioned to Yoko Shiogatami. Just textbook judo. It was really, really great to see. And I highly recommend watching that particular match. Another great match of the day in the under 78 kilo semifinal, France versus Korea. Uh, it was... Chumeo versus Park of Korea. Huge Ipon by Chumeo. Best match ever! That was my reaction when I saw the match. And given that this was the hometown favorite, the crowd of 11,000 plus approved of this particular performance. It was an awesome match. You got to watch it. Don't touch that dial. Don't touch that mouse. Just start the match. Sit back and enjoy it. Was, it was a fabulous Probably the best throw I saw of day two. I, I gotta be honest. Just one of those bone rattling epons. It just just great, great stuff. You gotta watch it. I, I I promise you you will not be disappointed. And the other 78 kilo semifinal match was was entertaining. Uh it was against um Sato of Japan versus Apatakar of Slovenia. Now this particular lady from Slovenia looked to be a foot taller than Sato. Uh, the match went into golden score. Um, Sato dug deep in golden score and won via an Asotogari, which which I believe, man, if I recall correctly, and managed the Wazari. But it doesn't matter. It was a good match. It's worth seeing. But I would skip to the golden score part. Um, both ladies fought really hard. And, and you know, I got to tell you, it was, in my opinion, the... Ladies' division on day two was far more entertaining than the men's on on day two, and and conversely, I thought the men's on day one was a lot more entertaining than the women in on day one. So, credit to the ladies for really putting out a great effort and and really representing um, that particular division very well. It was exciting to watch. I would have loved to have been there in person. In the under ninety kilo. Semi-final match between France and Slovenia. You had Clergé of France versus Zagank of Slovenia. Now, I got to say, the award for most taped-up judoka of the tournament has to go to Clergé of France. I don't know what was going on with the tape around his head, the tape around his wrist, the tape around his torso. Either he was severely banged up or he was protecting um, something. I, I, I don't know what the deal with with his head, but... You know what? He performed really well today. That particular semifinal match was really exciting, and it came down to a very close call where at first I thought Zagank got it. Um, but upon closer look, it turns out that Clergé won that match uh, with a with a, a counter technique. And again, you, the referees throughout this entire, entire tournament got the calls right. There were some calls that were a little bit curious, uh, when it came to awarding a Wazari versus no score. But man, this these refs are just incredible. Because um, I, wa I was watching it on TV and I had the benefit of, of, of rewinding it and taking it, a look at it. And they got the call right. And I got I to gotta hand it to them that they, you know, unlike a lot of sports, 
that I tend to follow that people can debate the calls for days. There wasn't really a call that I saw today that will be debated for the next couple of weeks. So the referee got this right um, when the throw happened and Clerget uh, moved on to the gold medal match. Now, speaking of Clerget, he had a thrilling final match between Cheng of China. And you, you guys really need to watch it because it ends... Uh, Cheng wins with a huge Osoto Gari. I, I would say for the men, that was one of the best uh, Ipon throws of the day. And obviously the crowd didn't like it because it was their guy that lost in the final. But but man, they that crowd was treated to a fabulous match because it was a lot of action. Um, it, it was a lot of grip fighting action that was leading to a lot of other action. Uh, the match ended up in golden score. But man, the crowd was really into it. Really into it. It was an exciting match. It was just, again, it, it was. I was very pleased to see this particular match be very exciting because I can't say the same for a lot of the other matches. Um, I'm not going to get into a bunch of the other boring matches, but let's put it this way: if I don't talk about it in the next five or ten minutes or so, I wouldn't bother watching it unless you just really want to see who won the gold. In that particular division. The under 81 kilo. uh, Gold medal match. Went into golden score. And that was. uh, That was a fun match to watch as well. As as DeWitt wins in golden score. um, With a Wazari on a continuation technique. It was. It was a good match. But one of those. You know what. Just fast forward to golden score. You You didn't really miss all that much. If you didn't watch the first five minutes of the match. Um, the under 70 kilo final between Japan and Canada was a fantastic win by Arai. She hits a Wazari on an Osotogari and then a fantastic turnover to her Osaikomi Waza. It was just, the turnover was, was just, looked like just a basic scissor sweep from the angle. But the, the angle that she did it from was, was a little bit different, but she managed to turn turn her opponent over and, and secure the Osai Komiwaza for the Ipon. Just just classic textbook judo. It was just really, really a beautiful thing to see. Now for the most outstanding female performer of the day, I gotta I gotta give it up to Sarah Asahina. I thought she was I thought she was fabulous. She won many of her matches by Ipon and even though her gold medal match was just a Worst match ever, quite frankly. It was just, just horrible uh, against her countrywoman, Yamabe. Uh, she she deserved that win because Yamabe just just didn't do anything the entire match. So so good for Sarah Asahina. She, she was just fantastic. And now for the outstanding male judoka of day two, I would have to go with Cheng of China. Now, earlier in the day, he had a fabulous Ipon over a fellow from Tajikistan, Ustopirion. I mean, that Ipon was just incredible. And it's, it's uh, best match ever! That's, exact, that's exactly how good it was. Now, for honorable mention, I, I got to say that it was a tough call between, between Cheng and, and Ojitani. But that last match... Um, of Ojitani winning via just just a horrible Hansoku Maki, just non non combativity. I, I got to give it to Chang. 
well-deserving. He had a, he had a great day, and, and he had a fab. He had a very very good match against against uh, Clergé of France. So I got to hand it to him. Great job by by both of those those athletes. So. So with that, I think I'm going to end things here for this podcast. I think I've covered the Paris Grand Slam in 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 about an hour or so. I I, I really think the IJF did a great job with this tournament. The presentation online was just was just far better. It exceeded all of my expectations. Now I still don't know what it means that it's the most social event in IJF history. Again, I was still I was checking out my Facebook feed, trying to see if I, I don't know maybe Teddy Renair slapping somebody uh, with a wet towel or something like that. You know, the rat tail. You you snap it and you hurt everybody and everybody laughs. Ha 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 ha! That kind of thing. It's so funny. Yeah, I, I didn't see any of that. It would have been nice to see some kind of backstage stuff. I don't know if the most social event in IGF history means that they managed to stream four different mats at the same time. Um, I, I, I really don't know if, if by most social event in IJF history, they're talking about Marius visors, uh, Q and a after the tournament, uh, which for him, he must've stayed up a lot later than he would have liked to given how busy his day was. But I'm very grateful that he spent time on Twitter to do that. Um, which I think, I believe that that Q and a just ended maybe about 20 minutes ago. So with that, I really appreciate you checking out the podcast. If you have any feedback, comments, or suggestions, feel free to reach out to me at La Vida Judoka or at my email show or at the show email at judochopsuishow at gmail.com. As always, I'm very grateful for the time. I'm very grateful for you giving me the opportunity to come into your headsets or speakers. So with that, I hope you have a great day. I hope you have a great week. I hope your training goes well. Train hard. Stay safe out there. I'm out. Open Gangnam Style.